0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Pastor Willie's voice was a little hoarse, and he asked me the other day if I would be able to come up here and share a word with you. So I have a word on overcoming procrastination. Okay? (laughs) <laughs> well, I've been meaning to give this word for three years. <laughs> procrastination, we all know the definition. It's the intentional putting off of something that should be done. Okay, um, And it's been said that uh, procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill okay so you're going to pay somebody some point somebody else said um well if you're going to procrastinate now don't put it off took a little while to (laughs) got to think about that one for a second (laughs) Um, but we all struggle with procrastination and if you're a mild procrastinator it may not affect you that much Um, if you're a chronic procrastinator Then it may affect you quite a bit, and it may affect the people that are around you. It may affect your job performance, it may affect your school performance, and it may affect your performance in the kingdom of God. So, today, I want to give us a few principles that we can use to overcome this thing called procrastination. Okay? I'm going to use the parable of the talents to do that in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bible and you want to take a look at that, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14. Okay, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained Five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, "'Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents.' His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master.'" And the one who had received the two talents came up and said, "'Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents.'" His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master.'" And the one who had also received the one talent came up and said, "'Master,' I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and went away, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so, um, again, I'm going to go through this parable line by line, and my objective really isn't to talk about uh, the typical message that we hear about the talents But it's really to glean, can we find some motivational principles that help us do what we're supposed to do? Okay, So we're overcoming procrastination. That's our goal here. Uh, Would you agree that Jesus would represent the Master in this parable and the servants or slaves would be us, the people of God? And of course, Jesus going away on a long journey Um, that would be Jesus going up to heaven, ascending to heaven, and now He sent us the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do until He returns a second time. So that's kind of the thrust of the parable. Um, Let's take a look, though. Uh, Starting in verse 13, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. The context of this parable is Jesus Christ's second return. Um, right before that is the parable of the ten virgins. Remember, five were ready and five were not. And before that, it talks about Jesus coming in his glory. So when it says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey, what does the it refer to? It refers back to the second coming of Jesus and us being alert. It makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, so he's, he's telling that in that context. Um, <clears throat> now this "...master called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them." Uh, Verse 15, "...to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on a journey." Okay, there's a really important principle here that we have to catch. Um, It doesn't say specifically the master told them, all right, I want you to go and invest. Those words aren't there, but from what the slaves and servants do, they went and invested, right? If you look at an account in Luke with the parable of the minuses, um, that's exactly what the master did. He said, do business until I come. You may remember that's in Luke 19. So the master here is actually issuing some directives or some commands. He's telling them, he's giving them talents, each according to their own ability. He's saying, I want you to do something with them. Okay, so what's the principle there? The first principle is there's a master who has authority. And there's slaves or servants who have a choice to obey or not obey that authority. So the very first principle that I want you guys to see, and to me this is the the key to understanding this entire parable, is this. We as the servants and slaves need to embrace the yoke of authority that God has placed on us. Okay, So, if I don't acknowledge God's authority, how motivated am I going to be to do His work? Not very motivated, am I? So, principle number one, how can you overcome procrastination? Is to recognize authority in your lives. Okay? Um, But recognizing this authority, it's, that sounds kind of hard. Whenever you talk about authority, it's, it can be a little difficult for people because there's abuses of authority, right? Okay, so let me just give you a context to be able to embrace authority. Okay, we know that all authority is from God, right? Romans says. So your school teacher's authority is directly from God. Hitler's authority was from God. Hitler's abuse of authority was not from God, okay? So let's just get that straight. But anybody that has authority on this earth, including angels and demons, that comes from God, okay? God never wanted his authority to be abused. So that's one thing we have to recognize. We have um, messengers that can help us embrace authority or messengers that can turn us away from authority, can we? So, hopefully, if we're a messenger, we want to help people embrace God's authority. There's a yoke that's out there. Really, I was thinking about it. Um, You can't do God's work unless you've come into God's kingdom. Remember, Jesus said, uh, All you come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for yourselves. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. In heart. So there's an invitation that goes out. If you have never yoked yourself with Jesus Christ, you can do that. There's an invitation come because He's gentle and He's humble in heart and He wants to participate with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never put on His yoke, if you've never received forgiveness from your sins, that's the very first thing you need to do or you're not going to do any kingdom work at all. You have no motivation. You have no incentive. You have no wisdom on what to do. Okay, Most of us in here, I believe, have already received this yoke. Sometimes we kick at it, don't we? Okay, we kick at it. We shouldn't do that. Um, But, you know, this authority thing, again, if we realize who we're working for, will that help us? If we know the person we're working for, will that help us? So, if I know Jesus personally, and I love Him, and I sing to Him, and I I love obeying His Word, that's going to help motivate me, isn't it? Okay, that's really all tied up in this principle of being yoked with Jesus Christ. If you know your Master, you're going to be fired up, man. You're going to be motivated to do this work. But if you really don't know your master and the, ba- the busyness of life, the cares and concerns, right? Working overtime and sickness in the family and your wife's working and paying your bills and all the mess and the car breaks down and the snow comes and the power goes out. and I mean, it makes it a little bit more difficult, right, to be focused, be diligent, be excited about doing the work of the Lord. Because you got all these things crowding around you trying to take your attention and keep you away from your master's work. So, principle number one, receive the authority from God. And isn't it true in the natural, if you're at work, um, you have a boss or a manager or a supervisor, um, doesn't it help if you know your boss and where they're coming from? If, if you kind of see the vision of the company and you're on the same page, doesn't that help you to get motivated to work? But if you have kind of a hard boss, and, and they're just out to do their own thing, and they're kind of difficult to deal with, it's, more, it's harder to be motivated, isn't it? And you might tend to procrastinate. Or, let's put it on us, what if I'm a little bit rebellious? I think I know better than my boss does. Have we ever thought that before? You think you know better than your professor or your school teacher? Okay, we've all thought that way. Well, if you have that attitude, it's going to be harder for you to be motivated to do work for that person isn't it okay so do you see how important this authority thing is when you're sitting in a classroom you don't like the teacher you need to say god help me i don't like this teacher um, but i'm going to honor the authority that you've given this teacher and i'm going to do my best and bring you glory and i'm going to get fired up and i'm going to i'm going I'm to ace this class or you see what i'm saying okay so this this principle really filters down into the home filters down into the schools Builders down into the workplace. How do you deal with authority? Embrace it. If you have problems with authority, ask God to help you, right? He'll help you. Okay, let's keep reading. Um, Verse 16 and 17. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more as a result of embracing authority, as a result of loving your master, what's the response? Immediately. Immediately. He went out and did what he was supposed to do. Not, well, tomorrow. Not three weeks from now. Immediately. Guys, this, this, this is a really powerful uh, word. Immediately. If you're like me, you go online, right? You're reading your emails, and if you get a uh, bill pay online, and all of a sudden it flashes up, Comcast bill due. Okay, how many of you just, just blow right over it? And just keep right on going? <laughs> I'm pretty good at paying my bills, but honestly there's times when I just don't feel like clicking on the Comcast link and paying the bill. I don't want to deal with it. I mean, you ever feel that way? You just don't want to deal with it. And then another one pops up. It's Intelos, And then another one pops up. It's your student loan. And finally, you're like, oh, I just don't want to deal with these things. A week goes by. Two weeks goes by. You know you have a, a time period, right? Before... And if you don't catch it, of course, then you're penalized and then you have to pay the extra fees. And that hurts you and it hurts your family because now that's money your family doesn't have. And then you feel bad. And You guys ever done that? Oh. Immediately... As soon as you see Comcast pop up, I need to click on it. I need to get my routing number. I need to get, I hate getting that routing number. You got to key that thing in. (laughs) Account number, key it in, and pay the bill right then. I mean, is that good wisdom? Yeah. Workplace, right? Same thing. How many emails do you get at work? Some people with, with a lot of responsibility, they'll have hundreds of emails a day that's crazy. I'm glad I don't have that much responsibility. <laughs> but what do you do with all those emails? What if you put off all those emails? You're swamped. You're in, you're in big trouble. So what you do is you prioritize them, right? The, the ones that irritate you, the people you know, you kind of delete them. or <laughs> You shouldn't do that, should you? <laughs> um, the ones from your supervisor and boss, you do those first, make sure you get those done. Anybody else... Maybe you'll do it this week. Maybe you won't do it this week. But if you recognize that you're a team player, you're trying to advance the cause of your company, right? How much more the kingdom. You're trying to advance the cause of your teacher in your classroom. I mean, jump on it. Even, you know, there's always people that seem to have emergencies, and they always want you to do something, they always want you to act immediately. Well, you don't need to always um, bow to that pressure But we should honor and try to get things out pretty quickly, shouldn't we? Doesn't it bless somebody when you respond quickly? Aren't you blessed when somebody responds to your phone call or or your emails quickly? Yeah, we are. So should we do to others as we would have them do to ourselves? Okay, so the second principle to overcoming um, procrastination is do it immediately. Don't wait. Okay? Okay do it immediately. All right, let's see. What else do we have uh, for immediately? Really, when we talk about immediately, we're talking about diligence. Proverbs uh, 12.27 says this, The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. I was looking online last last night how to skin a deer. I've never done it. And... uh, I watched this guy dress a deer out in the woods. He shot it, and there's blood all over the place, and he's got this knife, and he's slicing it up, and then he had to carry it, he had to drag it a mile and a half back to his house, and then you skin it, then you've got to hang it up, then you do all of this kind of stuff, just unless you take it to somebody who does that for you. But I was thinking, you know, if you' were, if you were a lazy person back in that society um, and you didn't dress out what you killed, you didn't bring anything home that night. It's, the wild animals got it or it starts to rot and decay, well, you think, you think, well, maybe I'll get to it. So back in that society, you come home, honey, I'm, I got a deer. Oh, yeah, well, where is it? Well, I left it out in the woods. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, With well, those birds circling overhead, <laughs> over in yonder field. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, back then, that, would, that was pretty serious. Uh, <clears throat> pretty serious. So immediately we want to think about that. All right, let's keep, on. let's keep on reading here. Verse 18, But he who received the one talent went his way and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Why do you think this guy dug a hole in the ground and buried the money? That's a valid question, isn't it? I mean, the others immediately set out to do their master's bidding. This guy immediately went (laughs) and dug a hole. Well, I think that it's because he violated principle number one. He didn't have a relationship with his master. He didn't want to be yoked to his master's authority. He didn't want anything to do with his master. He didn't know his master. He didn't care about his vision. He didn't care about his mission. He was just going to do his own thing. In fact, at the very end, the master calls him wicked and lazy okay so we're talking about saints here i wonder because that's you read this parable you could think well this is pretty serious um i don't want to be someone who's known as wicked and lazy and be cast out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth i mean can that happen to me i don't i don't think this is really talking about a believer this this particular person um to me this is a person who's rejected his master His master's given him a command. I'm not going to do it. And uh, this guy, he gives a reason at the very end. He says, I was afraid. I was afraid. So, you know, to me, this is not a picture of someone who is embracing their Lord. You know, perfect love casts out fear. So if if you're a follower of God, um, we experience fear, but we're going to overcome it because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So this guy... He buried his talent because he wasn't willing to be under authority of his master. He didn't care. He paid for it too, didn't he? We'll get to the paying for it part. So, principle number three, how do I overcome procrastination in my life? Don't be afraid. Overcome fear. I'll tell you, fear is a crippler, isn't it? It really is. Um, Especially when you do something stupid or you really do mess up. When you are at work and you do something that costs the company money, and now your supervisor, your managers, your boss, and all your coworkers are going to find out about it, that's terrible. You just want to die, don't you? You know how that feeling just comes into your stomach? It's like a wave. It's kind of like a panic wave. It's like nausea. It's, it's. Uh, you start flushing all these different colors, and you just want to run away. I mean, you guys experience. <laughs> I hate that feeling. <laughs> we have to overcome that feeling. We have a way to overcome fear. The world doesn't have a way. My cousin one time said to me, she said, um, she worked in Manhattan. Uh, so, you know, pressure job in New York City. And She said, how do you deal with, the, with all the pressure and the anxiety? and, I mean, in the world, there's no way to deal with that fear and that, that pressure. You just kind of tough it out and hope it goes away. But you're eating all up inside. But as believers, we have a way to deal, deal with fear. And that is, again, perfect love casts out fear. So how does that work on a practical level? I messed up at work. What does that really mean? Well, one, if you messed up, don't try to hide it. Isn't that the first? Okay. I mean, in the world, it's called damage control, right? Especially in the political realm, It's how can we lessen the impact? How can we make ourselves look as good as possible and survive this crisis? That's not how we work. If I mess up, you go to your supervisor and say, Hey, look, I sent this email. What I said um, I realized wasn't good and it may cause some problems. I really blew it. Uh, Hey, please forgive me for this. Um, What's your wisdom on this? Hard to do, isn't it? But once you do it, if you, if you do that immediately, okay, and don't wait, because if you wait, you're just tormented with this fear and all this junk that hits you. If you do it, um, you've done it. I mean, can you imagine Lance Armstrong? All those years of a lie? You know what got him? This is my opinion on what got him. He shared this. He didn't say this is what got me, but this is what I, I got from it. His son. Did you guys hear that? His son was defending him. And he's listening to his son defend him. How, imagine how he was feeling inside. It, it finally got him and said, Stop. Stop. It's, it's true. Please stop. He couldn't take it anymore. That may have been a big motivator for him to come clear because you're, you're so eaten up inside, you're so tormented. So we as, the, we as the children of light, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to do what's right. We have the power to seek forgiveness. Hey, you're just going to have to trust God that He's going to work all things together for good to those who love Him, right? say, well, if I say this, I might get fired. If you don't say this, you're disobeying God and you're you're succumbing to fear, right? We don't have a choice. We have to do what's right. And if you did slip and tell a little half-truth, a euphemism for a lie... (laughs) it is, right? Well, let's confess it. Hey, what I said wasn't true. I mean, you don't have to call it a lie. That's okay. You can say, what I said wasn't true. (laughs) It just sounds so hard when you say, I lied. It's like, man. Okay, so how can we overcome? How can we persevere? How can we not be in fear. We need to overcome fear by the power of the Holy Spirit. We go to God in prayer. You got to read the scriptures. You got to do what the Bible says, right? We just do what's right. The only way we can do what's right is when, because we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been spending time with him. We're in the word. People are encouraging us. People are building us up saying, you can do this thing by the power of God. Okay, I'm going to do what's right. And you go and do it and you're done with it. You did it. Don't wait. Do it immediately. There's that word again immediately How about that. Okay, principle three, overcome fear. Verse 19, let's keep going. Now after a long time, I mean, I've got to persevere for a long time. I've got to overcome procrastination for a long time. I've got to deal with fear for a long time. I mean, I've got to work for my master for a long time he takes you early. How many of you want to be taken out early? <laughs> okay, a long time. We need, we need encouragement for the long haul, don't we? Friend, uh, a former pastor said to me one time, I, I was just so off the wall in my zeal. I mean, a lot of it was good zeal and then a lot of it was flesh zeal. But he said, he said John, he said, uh, you're like a cue ball just getting bounced all over the billiard table. He said, you're in this thing for the long haul. He said, don't, don't burn out right now. He said, uh, you know, slow it down. Let's run this race. And he was right because I, I was uh, like a candle in the wind, so to speak. <clears throat> okay, verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. As I get older, and I'm 51 now, the word settled accounts really affects me. It has an effect on me. Okay? So the uh, next principle is to realize that we will have to give an account to God for every word we say, every thought we've had, and every deed that we've done. Okay, Now... I'm going to explain it. I'm not putting anything on anybody. I'm just, this is kind of one of those sober statements for me anyway. Because I'll be honest, when I'm out here praising sometimes, you, know, you, you read the words of a song and the words, you know, let's say, I, I love you, I love you, you know, I obey you, whatever. Sometimes I, I wonder if I can even sing the lyrics because have I really done what I'm singing? I don't know if anybody ever thinks that way. Because you know, how can I sing words if I'm not doing them? To me, it's kind of hypocrisy. Now, I'm not so bent out of shape on it that it affects my praise and worship, but it makes me think. Um, am I really doing the simple things in my Christian life? Again, as I get older, the Christian life becomes simpler and simpler. I don't need to read five books on prayer. Let's just pray, guys. I mean... <laughs> I don't need to read eight books on evangelism. I really don't. Because I'm not even doing what I know to do. I know what to do for evangelism. It's simple. You pray for people. You reach out. You serve them. And you tell them the good news. I mean, that's a piece of cake. I know how to pray. Do you you guys know how to pray? (laughs) I mean, it's not hard. I mean, when it snows, you walk across the street and you shovel the widow's driveway. That's a no-brainer. I mean, you see what I'm saying? So, it's like, after a while, it's, it's just really simple. You just read the Bible and you do it, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not putting down books. Read the books, be encouraged, listen to tapes. I, I still do that, but you understand the point that I'm trying to make here. It's a very simple walk. And this whole accountability thing, um, there's some scriptures. Let's take a look at uh, Matthew 12, 36, uh, just in case you forgot what Jesus said. Actually, um, it's not on the uh, PowerPoint. 35 and 36 in Matthew chapter 12. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak They shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Okay, so Jesus mentions giving an account. Uh, Paul also mentioned it in Romans 12. Again, it's not on the PowerPoint. I'm sorry, Romans 14, 12. If you want to take a look at that. Paul says this. um, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus. Let's see, make sure I'm in the right place here. Here we go, I'm sorry. Romans uh, 14, let's start at verse 10. But you, why do you judge your brother, or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God, so then, each one of us will give account of himself to God. And what should the result be, Paul? Verse 13, Therefore... Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in your brother's way. Would you agree that um, being held accountable by God could be a motivating factor or even is a valid motivating factor for Christian behavior? Yeah, Paul just said, therefore, say, hey guys, because we're going to stand before the judgment seat, I want you guys to have a good report before God, so hey, don't put stumbling blocks before your brother. Okay, so wouldn't that be a good principle to overcome procrastination is to realize that we're going to give an account to God. That's probably one of the biggest motivating factors for me to live the Christian life. Well, not one of the, but let's just say it's a big motivating factor. Because I want to please God. Isn't that really what it boils down to? It's not that I fear. It's not like God's going to whip us and beat us. That's not God. Jesus was whipped and beaten for us. That shouldn't even enter your mind. We're talking about a judgment of reward. Okay, so when I say judgment, I'm not talking about God condemning you. Because do you realize it's impossible for God to condemn you? I don't know if you realize that. Romans eight says it's impossible for God to condemn you. I say, well, I just sin. Yeah, you just sin. God can't condemn you. How come? Because Jesus was condemned in your place. And it's impossible. If Jesus Christ has paid for your price and died on a cross and took the condemnation and the wrath for your sin, you can't be held in condemnation for it. Right? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? How can God condemn the one who He has set free? It's an impossibility. You can't be condemned. And if you think that way, you're not thinking correctly. You need to rebuke it. Say, you know what? God, thank you. Say, you can get out of my face. I don't receive that. God's forgiven me. I'm not condemned by anybody. Yes, you are. You're a lousy, slimy sinner. You're right. I'm a lousy, slimy sinner that God has forgiven. Now get out of my face. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> That's how Martin Luther He turned the tables on Satan. When Satan would remind him what a scumbag he was, he said, yeah, you're right, I'm a scumbag. But guess what? I'm a forgiven scumbag. I'm going to heaven and you're going to a lake of fire. Thanks for reminding me. Isn't that pretty cool? Got to fight this thing. All right, so, realize we're going to give an account. Let's take a look at um, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Let's see if we can understand this rewards thing that God's gonna do here. First Corinthians three eleven. Uh, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it. What day? Judgment Day. Because it's to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built and on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Okay, so you realize, if I do good works in the flesh, Jesus said the flesh counts for nothing. Do you realize you can do good works in the flesh? And you realize on judgment day, they will count for nothing. Will you be condemned and whipped and beaten? No. I don't know if we're going to shed a tear over it or not. I don't know how that's going to work. But will we receive a reward for works done in the flesh? No. Because it counted for nothing. It was wood, hay, and stubble. And when we stand before Jesus, the judgment seat, whatever the fire represents, that's going to burn up. It's not going to be there. But if we do works with the right attitude, right? With a pure heart. If we do our good works by faith, then they count, don't they? And we'll get a reward. That's good news. Should that motivate us? I don't care about any reward. I'm just here to serve God. Well, if God cares about you getting a reward and you care about God, shouldn't you care about your reward? Yeah, because God cares about it. I care about everything that God cares about. God cares about you getting a reward. Look in the uh, back to Matthew chapter twenty-five, and let's look at uh, verse twenty-one. His master said to him, "Well done, good and faithful slave. I really don't care that you got a reward, but come into heaven anyway." Oh, sorry, I misread it. He says, "Well done." You were faithful with a few things. You brought five more talents, right? I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. He has a joy. God is just, he's, hes just can't contain himself to invite us into our final destination. I mean, he wants to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. I mean, he wants to hug us. I mean, when your son or daughter comes home from college, you give them a big hug, right? Isn't that awesome? And you, ever, you see the sports, sports teams, um, particularly like a tennis player or, or even sports players, football teams, when they win the big game, what's the first thing a lot of them do? They run into the stands, right? And they hug somebody. And it's usually mom. Mom's usually there. Uh, it's usually their coach. I mean, it's a, there, there's a joyous moment. They, they persevered. They suffered through all the drills, all the practices, the game, the injuries. They persevered. And finally, it was worth it all. And, and there was just a celebration. That's what it's going to be like when we die and face God. We're going we're to make it. We're going to persevere. How, do, how can I say that? Well, this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith. We make it. Faithful is He who calls you, and He will do it. You say, I can't do it. Well, He's going to do it in you, and you're going to participate with Him. Well, what if I stumble? What if I fall? was a song years ago by DC Talk, right? Remember that? Well, you get up by His grace, by His strength. So there's a reward. This should be a motivating factor. Wow, you know, God... The reason, the reason reward should motivate us, uh, two reasons. One, because God wants it to. And two, it brings Him glory. And we should want to give God glory, don't we? And so if, if bringing joy to God on our entry into heaven brings Him glory, then I'm all for it. How about you? Yeah. All right, so what are we doing? We are overcoming fear. We are embracing God's yoke of authority upon our lives. We are going to uh, remember that we're going to be held accountable to God, and He wants to reward us. Okay? And we know we're going to overcome fear. Those things will help us with procrastination. Um, <clears throat> you know, do rewards and punishment work in the natural realm? Yeah. I mean, what do you do with your children? You know, you, My son went from a D in math up to a B, which is incredible. You better believe he's going to get rewarded. I mean, you know. Um, so, you know, that's, God's built that into our society. He's built that into us. And in the workplace, um, you should want to overcome procrastination uh, so, one, you excel. Do you see a man who excels at his work? I tell you the truth, he will stand before kings. Isn't that awesome? Now, why would I want to stand before kings? I just want to do my job. I don't care anything about standing before kings. Some of you need to stand before kings. Why? So you can get all the glory? No. So you can testify to Jesus Christ, right? My, you know my prayer is every Super Bowl? <clears throat> I don't care what team wins anymore, unless it's the Steelers. But, <laughs> and even then, one year when they were in the Super Bowl, I had to force myself to make this prayer. I said, all right, God, I don't care who wins. I just want you to get the glory. <laughs> and, um, and he did. I, I forget what year it was, but somebody, some, some prominent player stood up and gave thanks to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for winning the Super Bowl. That's my prayer for the Super Bowl. That's why you want to excel at your work. So you can testify to God's goodness. I mean, does that make sense? It really does. It's a good thing. You need to excel in your household. I mean, we need to raise godly children, don't we? We really need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Why? So our neighbors can see it. They need to see some joy in our faces, don't they? Because, I'll tell you, um, it's hard enough with marriages knowing God. I don't know if you realize that. I think you do. Uh, The carnage among Christians is terrible. And when I say terrible, not like, oh, you guys are terrible. It's terrible because my heart breaks for the pain that we bring upon ourselves, our spouses, and our children. That's what's terrible. That's just difficult. It's hard. And so we really need to uphold each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to build each other up. Right? I mean... How can we overcome procrastination? Receive God's authority... Overcome fear. Uh, use accountability as motivation. And what was my other one? Get started immediately. Immediately. I mean, take notes. Get the pen, pen out and do it. When you're doing your emails, answer them immediately. If your neighbors, if it's going gonna, it's gonna to be ice tomorrow morning, well, get your snow shovel out and think of who's, who's walking your shovel. I mean, you know, be proactive. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's do this. Um, <clears throat> I guess the question I asked earlier if you've never taken the yoke of Jesus Christ upon yourself, you've never come to the one who can give you peace and rest, you've never asked the one who has forgiven you for your sins, you've never asked him to forgive your sins. Um, do it now. Don't procrastinate. Do it now. As the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Scripture doesn't procrastinate, does it? Hey, if you're unsaved, the scripture says, get saved. You guys remember um, uh, the Brownsville revival? Uh, some of you may remember. And, uh, Steve Hill, I think was his name, was the evangelist. And tens of thousands of people were getting saved in Brownsville, Florida. I mean, they are getting saved in the parking lots. Were, people were driving by and were getting saved in their cars. They they were lining up to get into the church, and Steve Hill was just barking off commands, He's issuing commands, you want to get saved, get down here now. And people were just running and diving to get saved. I mean, they, they're just literally running and getting saved. I, I looked it up on YouTube a couple weeks ago or a month ago, just because I, I remembered what that was happening. So if you're not saved, you need to get saved. I mean, get saved. Now's the time. Give your life to Christ. It's awesome. If you're already saved, most of you are, um, will you put some of these principles into practice? We have to do it. You know, the the consequences of not doing it are pretty high, aren't they? I mean, not only in the job, in the workplace, um, but in the kingdom. We have to be a people. We have to be diligent at what God's given us to. There's only a few years to go. If, if Christ's return doesn't concern you, then at least be concerned that you may die tomorrow. Right? We don't know when we're going. Say, well, Jesus did not come back for 2,000 years. It could be another, I think it's going to be another 100 years before. It... Well, you, you might get hit by a car. I mean, he may take you home. I don't know what, what he wants to do. There was a fire on Fort Avenue. It's still smoking. I don't know if you guys saw that. I mean, fortunately, I don't think anybody was hurt, which is good. But um, it's a short life. It's a very short life. And those of you that are young, uh, enjoy, enjoy life and enjoy the Lord, but also be sober too, because I, I've wasted so much time that now I realize as I get older, uh, I don't want to waste time anymore. I, I just I can't afford to waste time. It's just, I can't, I don't want the thought of facing my Lord I need a hug, and I need a well-done, my good and faithful servant, and I need some joy and celebration when I come into this thing. That's what that's what I need. That's what I want. I believe that's our destiny. I believe that's your destiny. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace.